Hi there guys, thank you for dropping into the Holy Shed and I'm sure that you've picked up by now that I'm taking things a little bit easier during August this year so I've suspended normal sheds, whatever that may mean uh, until September the 4th however, I am putting together at least four shedlets throughout August shedlets are small but perfectly formed holy sheds which don't tax me too much so uh, I hope that you enjoy them. Now, as some of you will know, this week I shared on Facebook a stinging public letter uh, posted by the comedian Sandy Toxvig to the Archbishop of Canterbury. Sandy is uh, famously uh, well known to be a humanist, uh, not a religious person, not a churchgoer, but she was clearly incensed by what she picked up in the media coming out of the Lambeth Conference last week. The Langbeth Conference for the Uninitiated is it's a sort of 10-yearly bash in the Anglican Communion that brings together bishops from across the whole world for a kind of holy chinwag about stuff that's important to the church. I can tell you that same-sex relationships are a perennial topic at these events because, well, because nothing seems to get religious people more excited than sex. And LGBT sex pff, sends it all through the roof. It's a subject that reveals a huge rift between the conservatives in the church and those of a more progressive state of mind. Many provinces of the Anglican Communion, especially in what's called the Global South, vehemently oppose any sort of concession towards normalising or legitimising same-sex relationships. But of course it's not just in the South. The same rift exists within churches and provinces across the West as well, including of course the Church of England. Some Conservative bishops have feel so strongly about it, you know, they've even said that they would not receive communion from fellow bishops or clergy who are in same-sex marriages, or indeed from those who support them. So it's obviously important to them, seemingly more important than a shared faith in God or Jesus. Uh, so anyway, at the end of the Lambeth Conference last week, the Archbishop of Canterbury reaffirmed and restated as relevant a declaration from the 1998 conference which asserted that gay sex is incompatible with scripture. In other words, gay sex is considered to be sin. I mean, he did, however, uh, say that he was not going to seek authority to discipline or exclude churches, you know, including those in Scotland, Wales and the United States, that do conduct or bless same-sex marriage. So I guess pff, some thanks for that anyway. This statement by the Archbishop as I say, incensed Sandy Toxvig, who wonders why the church remains so stuck in the past when the world has moved on, is moving on. And of course, there's a crucial point right there, because Sandy's letter really only highlights how ridiculous the church appears to so many sensible non-churchy people. Now, I'm not going to plunge right into the same-sex issue as such right now. I will actually be devoting a shed or two 
in the very near future uh, to the whole topic of sex and marriage, including same-sex uh, uh, same se same sex, sex and marriage. <laughs> but what I'm really interested in here today is the way... Too much sex there, wasn't there? But uh, what I'm interested in here today is the way the conservative elements in the church manage to hold everyone else to ransom so that we, people like me and so many others, cannot be true to our own consciences. I mean, for two decades, uh, serving as vicar at St Luke's in North London, I passionately wanted to bless and marry same-sex couples in the church in the way that I did heterosexual couples. I mean, there was no difference. These people were also part of the community. Uh, they were all my flock, if you will, my people. They all, as couples, loved each other in just the same way that heterosexual couples love each other. But I wasn't allowed to treat them alike. So when it became possible for the churches in this country, courtesy of David Cameron, for some wonderful reason, to choose to marry same-sex couples, the Church of England was excluded from that by law. Yes, indeed, the Church of England is the only church that was excluded by law. And I don't think it was David Cameron who wanted to exclude them. I think it was the Church of England who wanted to be excluded. Um, and now, it will come as no surprise, of course, to you people here, that I have blessed umpteen couples in what looked, you know, same-sex couples, in what looked very much like wedding ceremonies, despite the fact that you're not supposed to do that. But um, but I couldn't perform a legal marriage ceremony, which really made me, makes me very angry. Um, it just seems so hideously childish. The reason, of course, is that conservative influences still prevail on this matter in the Church of England uh, and elsewhere in the Anglican Communion. But here's my question. Why can't we just be more grown up about this whole subject? I mean, at one time, marrying divorcees was forbidden. But now, clergy can exercise their own integrity and choose to if that's what they feel happy to do. So, for instance, when a neighbouring vicar in Islington told a couple that he couldn't, in all good conscience, marry them because they were divorced, he did tell them that I, Dave Tomlinson, probably would marry them, and so he sent them to me. And indeed, I did marry them, and they became good friends. All good, right? Uh, that, I think, is being grown up about our differences. So why can't it be the same with same-sex marriage, now that that is a legal reality in our culture? Why on earth... I wonder, do we become so obsessed with maintaining a form of unity that just doesn't exist on that level? It just seems to me to be, uh, you know, a bit of a pointless sham. But the other question which someone asked me this week on Facebook is, what can we actually do? What can we do as individuals and particularly as churches to respond to the sort of concerns uh, raised by Sandy Toxvic in her letter. I mean, she spoke about the fact that young LGBTQ plus people are twice as likely to contemplate suicide and three times more likely to self-harm than their, you know, heterosexual counterparts. Why? Well, 
For many, she said, it's because they don't feel loved. And she went on to say, and love, Justin, Archbishop, is supposed to be at the core of what you do. Now, I think that perhaps what we as individuals and churches can do is just this. I think we can offer love, not the kind of controlling love that requires people to deny or, or try to change who or what they are in order to be fully accepted or included in the club. No, no, but the sort of love that treats all people the same. An inclusive love that doesn't try to change or alter people, but recognises a common humanity and respects, and more than that, celebrates our difference. When a young non-religious lesbian found herself in a South London church recently, she felt strangely at home and she told someone that her gaydar sensed that this was a safe place for LGBT people, uh, which of course it is. But you know, of all places on God's earth, churches should surely be safe places for everyone. A place of refuge in an off time, you know, harsh and, you know, dangerous world, a place of unconditional acceptance and inclusion. So what can we do to make a difference when we feel we're unable to make a difference? I mean, that's true of this subject. It's also true of many things in our world at the moment, a world which, uh, in which so often we feel overwhelmed by forces beyond our control or influence. So what can we do to make a difference uh, when we feel that we can't do very much at all. Well, I think that at the most basic and most important level, we can keep on living well. Keep on living well. Stay human. Uh, remain true to our values and convictions, even when they're opposed. Persist with resilience, even in the face of intolerable cha challenges. I mean, right now, the whole world scene feels deeply challenging, doesn't it? There are so many things going on that feel beyond our control. But here's the thing, um, that we're not alone and we're not stuck in a position where we can't do anything. There are millions of others who feel the same way, who also want to, you know, do whatever they can to shift the world forward. People who share a similar outlook. And um, I mean, they may be fellow Christians, they may be people of other faiths, they may be people of no religious faith, who are nevertheless people of good faith, fellow travellers toward a better, kinder, more peaceful, uh, more just world. People sometimes ask why I often close the Holy Shed with stay human. Well, it's because I believe our truest humanity is inhabited by God whoever we are. It's where we hear God best if we listen, in the depths of us. Uh, at that level, we all know how to live. We know how to behave. We know how to treat people. We know how to, how to be in the world. It's written within us. Uh, we don't always follow it. We, we sometimes choose a different, more comfortable, less challenging path. But we do know, you know, there are those in our world who, you know, catastrophically choose wrong paths and create havoc for themselves and many, many other people. 
But I believe we do all know what being truly human means. We just don't always follow that. So when I say stay human, I'm also meaning follow the light, as the Quakers say. Live God's way if you want to be religious. But I don't believe we need to be religious to do this, to know the path, to follow it. That's part of being human. Living little things well. That's what it is at base level. You know, when we can't do anything else to change circumstances around us, what we can do is live the little things well. My dad, you know, who who always, I could, I could, go, I could do a whole shed on things my dad used to tell me. He, he died when I was 17, but there's a whole legacy of them somewhere there in the back of my mind, and the older I get, the more they pop up. He always used to tell his spendthrift son, look after the pennies, lad, and the pounds will look after themselves. Well, I'm not sure I've really learned that lesson. I'm sure my wife, Pat, would say I haven't. But um, I think that it translates pretty well into what it means to stay human, which is live the little things well and the big things will look after themselves. Live the little things well and the big things will look after themselves. Hey, I've already overstayed my welcome here. It's only a shedlet. So uh, thank you for spending this little time with me. Stay human. And let's do it all again soon, shall we? Um, I don't have any whiskey, as you can see, on the shelf. Uh, but I do have a wee drop of white here. So cheers, everyone, to life. Lachaim. Oh, yeah, but just before I go, here's a video to remind you that you're not alone in seeking a more inclusive world. There are many people across many different divides who are on the same path. So this is a film which is promoting a declaration that, that was produced uh, several years ago now, um, but it's still there, it's still powerful, it's still relevant, and you can still sign it. I did. So uh, enjoy this and uh, feel encouraged to keep on living the little things well. We come together as senior religious leaders, academics and lay leaders from around the world to affirm the sanctity of life and the dignity of all. We affirm that all human beings of all sexual orientations, gender expressions and gender identities are a precious part of creation and are part of the natural order. We affirm that we are all equal under God, whom many call the divine, and that we are all therefore equal to one another. We call for all to be treated equally under the law. We recognize with sadness that certain religious teachings have often, throughout the ages, caused and continue to cause deep pain and offense to those who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex. We acknowledge with profound regret that some of our teachings have created and continue to create oppressive systems that fuel intolerance, perpetuate injustice, and result in violence. This has led and continues to lead 
to the rejection and alienation of many by their families, their religious groups and their cultural communities. We ask for forgiveness from those whose lives have been damaged and destroyed on the pretext of religious teaching. We believe that love and compassion should be the basis of faith and that hatred can have no place in religion. We call on all nations to put an end to criminalization on the grounds of sexual orientation or gender identity, for violence against LGBT individuals to be condemned and for justice to be done on their behalf. We call for all attempts to change, suppress or erase a person's sexual orientation, gender identity or gender expression, commonly known as conversion therapy, to end and for these harmful practices to be banned. Finally, we call for an end to the perpetuation of prejudice and stigma and commit to work together to celebrate inclusivity and the extraordinary gift of our diversity.